This is Jim Martin with Little Things First. This is Tracy Vanity Venture, and I was struggling with my left finger and my right finger, and I just messed up, but now I think we've got everything working. <laughs> I was clicking the wrong button. Today's been one of our smoothest recording sessions, actually, so, you know, you're I, really we're getting better. I appreciate you saying that. Uh, he he doesn't always see the stress as I'm laying out my cords and my plug-in things and what I've seen you. it a few times, but, you know. <laughs> but here we are, and it's working, and thanks, Jim, for spending another bit of time with me talking talking to somebody new and interesting. Yes, and today it's Josie Hernandez Gutierrez, which I think we've we've both met her. Yep. Yes. Yep. And now she is in Texas, and uh, she's been a consultant. She's been, um, now I think she's in HR. She's done um, leadership work in education. So she's got lots and lots of experience that we need to learn yeah, from. Right, exactly. Definitely. So let's give her a call. And it's not going. So, Jim. Hello. Is this Josie? This is. This James? Yes. Hi, Josie. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, James? Doing great. And uh, Tracy's with me also. Hey, Josie. Hi, Tracy. How are y'all doing? We're so good. And thank you for taking time to come and talk with us. Oh, no. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, we've uh, been able to work with you in the past and also, you know, attend some of your trainings. And now we get to share some of that with uh, our listeners because you've had a wealth of experience. Can you talk yeah, to... So, Tracy, oh, go ahead. Me, was Tracy there in Salt Lake also? Yes. Yep, I was uh, part of the UVA program that you were working with. Okay. So, were y'all both the principal supervisors? I do remember you, Tracy. You were... Did you retire or... Um... Nope. I, I just kept compulsively moving to new positions <laughs> because I like change. Oh, okay. Are you still there? Yeah, well, no, now I'm in a different district. I'm in Ogden District. Oh, Ogden. Okay. And Tracy, what's your last name? Van Deventer. Yes, I remember that name. Yeah, it's hard to forget once you finally get it stuck. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's a nice name. Too. Hard to spell. Thank you. So, Josie, yes. maybe you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, first of all. Yeah, so, um, you know, I've been in education for 25 years, and, uh, you know, I always say that I had a, a pretty traditional trajectory when I first started, because I was a, a teacher, then an assistant principal, then uh, a principal, and then I went on to central office to supervise principals and worked my way up uh, to, uh, ended up opening uh, the Office of Transformational Leadership and School Improvement, and then... Um, so I was doing a zone, like zone turnaround work, and then I was recruited to work in a bigger city than the one I was in to do more systemic transformation. And then shortly thereafter, I uh, was recruited to do more national work, which is how I ended up at, at the University of Virginia. And then I uh, decided to go out on my own and, and venture out with uh, doing some turnaround consulting. And I did that for several years, but I'm not certain if you, if I've shared this with either one of you, but I am, uh, I've returned to a school district in the 
well, starting this school year, well, not this school year, but starting in 2020, I just returned back to a school district, and I am the head of HR in a, in another urban setting, uh, a little bit smaller than what I'm used to, but uh, really enjoying the work work there. Well, they're lucky to get you. Congratulations to them. Well, and to you too, but. <laughs> yeah, I'm fortunate to be there too. So you've worked in a variety of settings, and um, how and how have your roles and the support you've provided changed with your uh, changing roles? Like, how how have you supported teachers, supported schools, supported principals differently through your traje- trajectory? Yes, that that's a great question. So um, so a lot has changed because I'm a learner, right? And we're always learning. So in 25 years, you learn a lot. And especially in my unique journey, uh, I've provided supervision over, you know, to nearly 150 schools and over 200 principals in my career, just directly supervising the schools and these principals. And I think that's pretty unique uh, for someone to get an experience to do that. But then I also have the national uh, perspective where I've worked with uh, more than 50 school districts and organizations in at least 17 states. So I've also been able to look to, um, I've been able to see how things look at, you know, on, a, on the national landscape. So um, the one thing I will say that has really changed is now I see trends. Trends just really um, speak to me because I can see what's happening in a district or a school and, and pick up on, on things very quickly, good and bad, right? Sure. Um, so I try to keep things simple now. I, I will say when I first started, I, I would have been into um, maybe just what we all do when we first get started. Maybe we focus on too many initiatives. Maybe we don't take the right approach. We don't manage change well. You know, so those are those are things that I know are very important now, and I think I've um, had the, enough experience to know how to manage those things. So um, the way that I support schools or, or districts now is, like I said, very simple. I, I think um, leadership's everything. So first and foremost, I focus on the leadership, whether it's the district leadership and or the campus leadership. I think that speaks volumes. Uh, so it's all about leadership. So if an organization's going to be successful, it's going to be successful because it has great leadership, right? Whether at the school level and, well, and the district level, you need both. Um, and then... Um, the other thing that's real important to me is sustainability because we we see schools that turn around and then they don't sustain and, and you have to ask yourself why. I've even engaged with UVA around the sustainability uh, research and uh, the reason they don't sustain is because the the systems aren't haven't been implemented to a deep level and they haven't been built around beyond the principal or leadership team and moving all the way down uh, to the teacher level, which is why teacher leadership is so important. But um, so I think just in wrapping up that question, the things that matter are leadership, um, building out systems, but engaging, uh, empowering your teachers and, and everyone in the organization to ensure that things continue uh, beyond your own leadership there. So I think I, I, I approach those things very differently now. Are you still involved with Turnaround in your current position or um – or less so, perhaps? Yes, I am. In fact, it's a, I, I work for a, a district that is undergoing turnaround and transformation, yes. 
Okay. I, that that that's kind of work speaks to me. That's why I wake up in the morning. So yeah. that's one reason I I thought it was a good fit for me. Yeah. Very nice. And what a what a really powerful role you will play as we talk about right, right leadership and and just building that sustainability. That in that HR position, you you have a big influence on who's going to be joining your teams. And I'm wondering how does that play in? Like, what would you look for? What do you what do you carry forward if you're trying to make decisions about who should be joining the team? Yeah. So, um, are, are you talking about like the central office leadership or teams like uh, hiring principals and or teachers? Kind of, kind of both, right? I mean, in some ways, you could have some amazing teachers, but if you don't have that supportive leadership at the district, it might be problematic. So, maybe you could speak to both. Yeah. So, uh, again, I think leadership's everything. So, one of the things um, that I think that my superintendent has done really well is. Um, surround herself by an executive team that is very strong and very knowledgeable. Uh, she was very intentional. Uh, she did a, a complete reset uh, when she got there uh, with the people that she surrounded herself with uh, because she knew she had hard work ahead. So I was one of the last people she brought on board on her leadership, on her executive leadership team. So one of the things that I'm doing now is as we get principal and assistant principal vacancies, I have really, uh, focused on revamping how we how we recruit and how we uh, hire. So the, the recruiting is very strategic and uh, the hiring process is very rigorous. So I can assure you that if um, you don't have the right competencies that uh, are necessary to do turnaround work, you, you will not even get through round one of our, of our interview process. I so I think that's one of the big pieces that I've changed so far. That, that sounds so great, and I don't want you to give away trade secrets necessarily, but I'm <laughs> curious because we spoke with someone uh, earlier that, that talked about like the behavioral event interview, right? You know, and just talked about going deeper with uh, leaders when you're looking to make those decisions. Uh, what are some of the directions that you would shift in order to try to make sure that you are selecting the best fit? Yes, yeah, so we have uh, several phases in our, our interview process, but one one is starts even before we engage in the interview process. Uh, you know, you could you can post a job and, and hope that great leaders will be flocking to you, but that's not always necessarily the case. And especially when you're hiring for schools that are 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 really hard to run and, mm-hmm. and schools that have been chronically underperforming mm-hmm. uh, for several years. So um so one is you have to be strategic in your recruitment. You have to go out and seek maybe past candidates, people. We, we've made a, a real commitment to not hire brand new principals to do to run our hardest schools. We want principals with experience, principals with a track record. We're willing to, uh, we've set up some structures to provide some autonomy uh, so they can get the job done. So there, there's certain, uh, I, I would call them uh, soft incentives to, to do this and to do it in a hard in a hard situation by getting the right support that you need to do this work. So we're, we communicate those types of things. Um, but then once we uh, get some interest in, and identify some candidates that we'd like to uh, talk to a little further, uh, we do engage into in a, in a round one interview, which has some behavior interve- um, interview type questions. Um, 
And so that, that one is what we call a screening interview. So we can know very quickly, do they have urgency? Do they have a, uh, do they, uh, focus on getting results and, and we focus on those competencies that we know are important. And once uh, they do that, then we put them through a, a more, a longer interview and we call it a performance interview because we need to know and we need to be certain that our principals can, can look at data, can conduct data meetings and have those data discussions with their teams. We want to know that they know how to have instructionally focused in, uh, coaching conversations. So they have to engage in those types of, of, of um, tasks, I'd say, uh, during their interview. So I, I think that a lot of people could, you know, they could be a good interviewer, they could prep for an interview, but at the end of the day, when you go through the performance interview, you're really going to need to be able to do these things. Mm-hmm. you got to kind of show so, your and stuff. And then after that, oh, absolutely. But then after that, there's some other processes like around uh, the best fit for the kind of campus we're, we're looking for. Uh, then we bring in committees and 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 the you know, school committees and community members as needed for the later interviews. But that's after we have really top candidates mm-hmm. to, to share. Mm-hmm. So from your vantage point, is there a difference between a turnaround principal and a principal of just any setting? I mean, could are they the same competencies that the two share or um, are there specific things to being a turnaround principal that make it different than being a principal of any other setting? So that is a a great question. You know, um, so turnaround competencies, I think, are very different than walking into a school where um, maybe you uh, aren't dealing with underperformance or you uh, or chronic underperformance. You aren't dealing with um, uh, some of the challenges that you'll find in a school that's not performing. So uh, I definitely think the the competencies are very different. Uh, so, and what was your question? I'm sorry. Just about, you know, are there, are there shared competencies or, um, you know, if you are a good turnaround principal, could you be a good principal anywhere or vice versa? And it sounds like, no, there's very specific things that you need to be a turnaround principal. Um, I mean, could you talk about some of those things specifically? Yeah, so let me, um, so if you're a strong turnaround principal, can you be a great principal anywhere? You know, I think there are leadership competencies that, uh, that all leaders need to have. Uh, some leaders that may not have them or they may not be, uh, skills that they've honed, uh, may survive in certain circumstances that aren't turnaround, right? And then they get into a turnaround situation and they can't, they they can't survive or, or, and definitely can't thrive in those situations. But there are, I think there are shared competencies, like things that a leader needs to do. They need to be able to change. They need to be change managers, regardless of where they are. Um, but if you go into a school that's already uh, a letter grade of an A, you may say, "I don't need to change anything." But the truth is, you there's plenty to change, even in an A school. So it's just your willingness to do that. But you may get away with that and just maintaining the A versus being in a school that's an F and not moving it. Right. So. Um, so I definitely think there are competencies that are different, but, uh, I mean, leadership is leadership to me. you got to manage change. you got to have a shared vision. you got to have passion for the work. you got to build relationships. you got to create coaching cultures. Um, there's just so much that needs to be done. Uh, I think the big difference is that someone who may not have those that strong skill set or those competencies 
And if they're allowed to have status quo, maybe they survive a little bit in a, in a school that doesn't need to be turned around. And then vice versa, someone who's a real, um, cause I've also supervised very high performing schools, schools with the, some of the best in the state. And you, you know, I, I go in there and I start pushing, right. And they don't want to be pushed. So you, you have to really build those relationships and you have to know how, you know, the push and pull It's a little different kind of push and pull because, um, you know, you, you want to survive long enough to get the job done there. So there are some, there are some differences. I, I, I think that when you're in a turnaround school, you, there's urgency. You got to get that thing turned around. I always say it needed to be turned around yesterday for the kids sake. <laughs> and, and, and really we don't have time. We, we got to get going. So you just, you build that shared vision, you know, share the purpose for the work and, um, and get going because uh, there's really no time to be waiting for everyone to, to buy in and everyone, some people are going to, you know, get off the bus and, or be asked to get off the bus. It's just, it's just the way it is in a, in a turnaround school, but in a school that's more stable, maybe you can, you may need to take things a little slower to, to move things. But, um, so I think the competencies could be similar, but there definitely are some turnaround competencies that are absolutely necessary to thrive in a turnaround school. Mm-hmm. You know, you spoke about, um, you know, you've, you've worked with 150 schools, uh, 200 different principals. So you really had a chance, 17 states, to see lots of different programs. And then you spoke about how trends speak to you and how now you believe that it's so important to keep it simple, right? So I'm curious, in all of the work that you've done at all those levels and all those places, and, and our podcast focuses on the little things first, right? And And you've been referring to leadership. Are there specific, you know, actions and maybe this is too granular for you, but I'm wondering, are there specific actions that you've seen that tend to make a big difference without having to be sweeping school reform? Anything that you could speak to for our listeners that talks about, well, I could do that on Tuesday. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think, you know, this, this is a, it's a great question. Um, because, you know, I, I have a different lens now. So when I think about a response to this question, you know, I, I'm all about making some high leverage leader moves that have the most impact. And, and in my, because of my experience, I might think they're somewhat easy, right? Or not e- necessarily easy, but, you know, they're common sense, mm-hmm. you know, to just start acting on. Um, however, I know that these things, you know, Although they seem small, so the ones that I, I want to share with you today, um, they may seem small, but maybe they're they're big to some people. So I, I do want to preface my response with that because if they were if these things were that small, everyone would be doing them. Sure. But perhaps they just need they just need the support to and they need to be taught how to do them, coach sure. uh, to how to do them, right? Yeah. So uh, some of the small things that I think like you said, leaders could just start doing like the next week uh, to improve schools. Um, you know, I think if they haven't shared a purpose, like to me, that, that can happen formally and it can happen informally. Just people need to understand why you wake up in the morning and why this is so urgent. Cause you build that urgency. So, I mean, that's to me, a, a leader should be doing that the first day they meet their staff. Um, you know, the urgency and the, and the purpose for the work and, and just keep reliving that day after day. Um, 
and building relationships because there will be in turnaround there will be lots of bumps in the road in the road and, and I've done turnaround for a long time um, within a school district and even in a school and you know you always you know it's risky work because you know you're taking lots of risks you know it, because the bumps in the road people will get upset it, I mean it, it's just it's just that kind of work and um, I think if you build relationships that's going to help you go a long way because maybe everyone's not buying in and maybe everyone's not going to like the conversations you have to have with them. But I think when you do things respect respectfully and you've had some relationships with them, I, I think that will take uh, a turnaround leader a long way and get them through all those bumps in the road. So I, I you know, and, and building relationships is free, right? It's something you can start doing right away. And um, yeah. I think it's just so important. Love that. Thank you so much. Yeah. And that shared purpose is Mm -hmm. so important too, just to keep making sure that it stays front and center. I I appreciate that reminder. Um, I'm wondering uh, about turnaround because I feel like the concept has received kind of a negative response from some pockets in the education community. And I'm just wondering what your take is on that. Um, you know, I mean, I think it probably emerges from turnaround work that has taken place in businesses, and some people say maybe it's too business-oriented. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? How do you respond to those critics that might be out there saying that turnaround is too business-focused or it is too regimented? Yes, yeah, so um, I so people can call it anything they want, but when we have failing schools, that's not okay for our kids. So, uh, you know, if they don't want to call it turnaround, we can call it whatever we want. We just need to move forward and get these schools uh, in better shape for our kids' sake. Sure. And so, you know, as far as the verbiage is concerned, um, you know, we can call it transformation. We can call it continuous improvement. We can call it whatever we want. But um, the other piece about, you know, the whole, you know, maybe it's too regimented, like you said. Um, I will tell you, I have never seen any school or district turn or, turned around without without very tight structures. It, you have to, the reason these school districts and schools are failing is that we don't have systems and structures in place. So to keep having a free-for-all or keep whatever is going on there cannot keep going on. You have to bring it together, build systems, and to build systems, you've got to have structures. And they have to be tight because if people knew how to do this or if they they would be doing it. I, I really believe people show up to work to do a good job. And, sure. and they obviously need some guidance around this. So I believe in in at the launch of a turnaround and in early stages of turnaround, it's tight. It is regimented. It is, it is you have systems that need to be put in place. And we know which systems need to be put in place. It's in the research. And it needs to be tight. When you're high-performing, then you can loosen up a little bit, right? I mean, you'll already be loose. You'll be more organic. Things will flow differently because there's some foundational. You have systems in place and you have foundational structures to work from. But to to think that we can't be, we shouldn't be tight in turnaround, I, I would strongly disagree with that. Sure. And what what would you say are some of those, um, to go back to Tracy's question, some of those little things, maybe not so little to some people because they're not doing it or they don't know how to do it, but some of those structures that need to be addressed very first in a school that is struggling, whether they call it turnaround or whatever, uh, what are some of the structures that you see that need attention? Well, 
Yeah. So, um, so some of the structures, I mean, the ones that we know, I mean, of course you, you know, you want to make sure you, you shape the culture. If the culture is not what it needs to be, if it's not a safe culture for kids or a, a learning environment for, for adults and kids, then, then you definitely need to focus on culture. But we also know that focusing on culture alone is what we call full skills, right? You don't just go in there and try to make everyone happy and, and say, oh, this culture needs to be turned around. So let's, let's, turn around the culture, you've got to focus on, on some other areas like setting up some really strong um, data-driven systems. Uh, you start creating those PLCs or your your weekly data meetings, start having those one-on-one conversations with teachers, and then you need to be in the classrooms. You want to have instructional, we call them instructional infrastructures, where you have some foundational ways in which we do business in the teaching and learning of this campus, like whether it's how we lesson plan and how we internalize our plans and how we, um, how we engage students, how we ensure rigor and alignment, how we create discourse in the classroom. So there's a, a number of things that uh, or structures that need to be put in place. So I think those are some of the highest leverage ones, uh, you know, focusing on those instructional infrastructures and, uh, the data-driven instruction and the, the culture, I, I would definitely start building on those very quickly if I walk into a, a turnaround school as a principal today. And then going back to what we started with, of course, that we've got to get the right people in those positions, right? We've got to get the right leaders in those buildings and the right leaders at the district level to support those schools um, because it matters what the skill sets are that they bring to that leadership role. That's good. Absolutely. What I just shared can't be done by someone who's not instructionally uh, sound or who doesn't have a, a vision for this work. I mean, a principal is a very skilled uh, is a very skilled leader. Not only are they courageous, but they are very skilled. So, um, Josie, I'm wondering, what are your thoughts about coming back from the pandemic? So, you know, that's really impacted schools greatly, obviously, impacted our whole country and world in lots of different ways. I'm wondering um, if your um, district, if your work with schools, if if there's been any thought about um, how to address some of the inequities that will become even more apparent once we once we come back and, and how, how schools ought to address this. Yes, that is, uh, that is definitely going to be, uh, the inequities have been something that have just been tugging at my heart. You know, I, uh, I read something around, you know, we already know about summer slide and now we're in summer. <laughs> we're, well, school's out and we're in the summer months now. And, um, and then I also read about the, um, the, the COVID-19 slide, right? Because now there have been kids who haven't had access to excellent instruction for several months now. So, so you have back to back COVID slide and then summer slide. And, and you're right. Kids who are already behind kids who haven't had access for this amount of time. And especially in the primary years, it's going to have a huge impact on them and, and their, um, and getting them back on track. So, um, the answers aren't easy for this. I mean, we, we know how to get kids, you know, how to, we know how to execute on teaching and learning and get kids to grow more than a year. And we're going to have to keep doing that. But as we transition back, you know, um, we, we know we're going to have to be flexible. Um, we, we also don't know if, uh, 
you know, what this is going to look like. We're in the planning stages and we're planning multiple, uh, we're preparing for multiple plans. And, uh, but we know we need to put students first. And uh, initially, of course, in our planning stages, we're, we're looking at safety first. We want to make sure our, our students and our staff are safe as we return. Uh, what, once that's in place, I mean, we need to focus on the academics. But we also know that because kids have been out of school, especially, you know, when we talk about inequity, especially uh, children uh, of poverty and and all the other things that we have, that we deal with, um, we know that there's going to be a social-emotional uh, component that we're really going to have to um, to look out for and support and be ready to respond to. Um, but as you've heard in my... Um, in my language today, I'm very systems focused. Uh, so we're going to need to get some systems in place and we're going to have to face these challenges and just be ready to pivot, right? Because I don't think there's going to be an easy answer to how we approach um, this work as we return, as the students return. And, um, you know, I also think that, um, you know, if we end up having to make really tough decisions around um, because we may need need to make decisions around which, you know, have fewer school students in our school, if so, which students are going to be served in the school, which school students are going to be served, you know, um, through distance learning again, I, I will hands down, and I think this is a, a simple answer for me. I wish we could have all the kids in the school, but if it comes down to it, we need to keep our primary kids in the school because we need to make sure our kids are reading and on grade level. You know, that, that all that research around reading on grade level by third grade it is so important, and I believe wholeheartedly in that. So if we had to choose which kids come in and which kids stay in distance learning, I, I'm going to choose the primary students because um, we can't go wrong there. Good that's, advice. So, um, I don't know. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say that's good advice, but let's just cross our fingers and our toes and our and our eyes to say maybe we can come back, maybe we can join back into our our whole community. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I keep, uh, I wanted to share this with you all. I keep, uh, and it, it just really hit home for me this spring when we had, uh, when we closed down our school district. You know, um, there's there's a quote that I found from, uh, from John Maxwell. And it says, a life without systems is a life where the person must start every day from scratch. And I feel like, I think school districts, school leaders across the country were living like this through this entire closure because we never expected to close. We weren't prepared for the closure. We, you know, we did pivot. We did work hard. We did, we did work through it. But we were each day, because we didn't have systems and structures for this, and no one could have predicted this, or at least, right. you know, I think most of us didn't predict this. Um, we, we were every day was starting from scratch and starting a new day. I right. mean, I'm still starting from scratch because now we're bringing employees back. And so it's every day. I'm not only managing the regular everyday HR business, I'm having to think of ways that we're going to bring employees back safely yeah. and work through all of that and communicate all that and train people on how it's going to be safe. Yeah. Good no, point. There's a lot to do. Yeah, that's a great quote too. I, yeah. I think that that's great to share with our listeners for sure. We have one final question we like to ask our guests, and 
we would like you to share with us if you could get into a time machine and travel back and talk to your younger self who was early in their education, their career working in education, what advice would you give your younger self? Hmm. Let's see. Um, perhaps I would tell myself that there is uh, so much more to learn, right? I know I've learned a lot. I'm a learner by nature. And so I love learning, but I know there's just so much more to learn. And uh, early in my career, uh, maybe I could have been humbled a little bit. You know, I, you know, sometimes we, you know, we, we might think we know a little bit more than, than we really know. And right. 25 years later, I realized how much more I had to learn. Hmm. Um, and, and, and in looking back, you know, I, I really think experience does matter. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, and, and because with experience and time, you know, you learn so much. And, and I, I really think your wisdom grows with time also. If there's things that I can do now, like I can tell people just about anything I need to tell them. Um, and, uh, and I could do it with, I could do it diplomatically. I could, you know, I do it respectfully. And, um, and I think that's important. And I think that 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 has been a skill I've had to hone over the years. I also listen. I, I, I'm a much better listener now. And I think listening is, I even gone through listening training. You know, I think listening is, is so important and, and I still wish I was a better listener. Right. But at least it's something that I'm aware of that, uh, I continue want to, that I continue and want to hone. Um, but in my younger years, I, I may have not been the best listener and I may, have thought that I knew more than I um, really, <laughs> I, I knew more than I really did know. And at the end of the day, I, I look back on all my, uh, all my uh, roles and I really believe that I learned some of my roles even more so once I'm out of the role than when I was hmm. in the role. And I'll just give a couple of examples. Like if I went back to be a principal now, I mean, I was a principal um, in my, in my late twenties. Mm. and uh, very early in my career. And I, I, I had a high-performing school. I, I ran a, a pretty good school, but what I know today, I could really be, uh, I, I know that I could be a much better principal um, going back in today. Same thing with the principal supervisor work. I did, a, did many years of supervising principals in two large districts. And uh, I really feel like I've learned that role um, after I left the role, like I really started understanding it at a deep level once I left the role. I don't think I wasn't a good principal supervisor, but if I knew what I knew today, I could just be so much better. And, um, and so those, those are just, I think that's, uh, the advice I'd give myself, uh, just to, um, you know, that there's just so much more to learn and be humble. Nice. Yeah, perfect. We thank you so much for taking time out of your day to, to visit with us and to share your insights. And uh, we wish you well in your your new journey, especially as we find ourselves still kind of working our way through this, you know, home learning and uh, trying to come back together as a community. And, and thank you so much for, for talking with us. Yes, thank you so much. And it, it was an honor to be a part of this podcast. Thanks, Josie. It was really helpful. Have a great uh, rest of your day and a uh, great rest of your weekend. 
keep in touch. All okay. right. All right. See you later. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.